Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hello and welcome in to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. This is episode number 58 and episode 58 features a conversation with my guest, Jamin Heppel. Let me tell you a little bit about Jamin. He is the co-creator and leadership coach of Mountains and Marathons, which is a revolutionary leadership development company that focuses on holistic transformation and completes each program with an epic physical challenge like running a marathon or climbing a mountain in iconic locations all around the world. Jamin's clients have included senior executives of Fortune 500 companies, leaders of international nonprofits, founders of multi-million dollar startups, leaders in the network marketing area, ex-military industry leaders around real estate, stay-at-home moms, and, well, anybody in between. Jamin has been traveling and living nomadically for the last four years, visiting and living in over 40 countries and spending most of his time in Asia, Africa, and Central America. He has run a marathon on six different continents. He's climbed Mount Everest's base camp in Nepal. He has summited Mount Kilimanjaro eight times, completed three ultramarathons, and is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's highest obstacle course race. He's passionate about adventure, authentic, relating, healing, generational trauma, and exploring what it means to be a leader in this moment in time. I sat down and had an absolutely incredible conversation with Jamin, and you're going to hear that right on the other side of this. Hey, everybody. I am super excited to share this with you. My new book, Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader, is out and available for purchase. This book has got some awesome new content to it, including a big focus on instructional leadership. You know, it's so important for school leaders to be an integral part of the instructional program, and leaders really need to be focused on their presence in the classroom, on increasing student engagement, and leading for positive student outcomes. And this book has got the magic formula for you on instructional leadership. How do you focus your time to be that instructional leader? How do you prioritize? How do you make sure that you're able to have the conversations and have the presence in your school that makes the difference in your instructional program? The second big change, being the champion of your school. Man, we're in a time right now when teacher turnover is extremely high and our leaders are faced with unbelievable outside pressures at their schools. So being the champion of your school is key. Our leaders need to focus on building the culture and telling the story, but they also need to focus on mentoring and coaching everyone to greatness. And ultimately, you got to be willing and able to defend your school against outside threats and pressures. All of this and so much more, including the three core beliefs for all travelers on the Road to Awesome, are available in Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. You can get your copy at Amazon, or you can get an autographed copy at Road to Awesome dot net backslash books. Both links are in the show notes. I can't wait to hear your feedback on my new book. Hey leaders, let's talk about school culture and professional development. What if we stop telling teachers what to do and instead invite them to sit side by side with us to solve the challenges we're all faced with? I'm talking about difficult parents. I'm talking about blame, outside pressures, and disengaged learners. School culture is critical, and I've got the formula to help you build the culture where everyone feels seen, heard, valued, and trusted. No more boring PD. Let's have PD that inspires and empowers our staff and gets everyone working together toward a common mission. I look at what we do here at Road to Awesome as human development because this type of work, this type of learning, Hey, it goes beyond the classroom. It goes beyond the parking lot, beyond the bus and the lunch line. This carries into your community. I was in a school district recently, and after the work was complete for the day, one of the district employees pulled me aside and said, Darren, we have to have you back again. This work is every bit as important as working on instructional strategies or diving into our data. 
we cannot forget the human side of our work. And that's what you brought today. Thank you. Hey, reach out to me today and let's schedule a conversation for you to share your triumphs and your challenges. Hey, we're all in the people business. And here at Road to Awesome, we want to help you get the most out of your people. Email me at darren at roadtoawesome.net or go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button. And now, on with today's episode. Jamin Heppel, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I I see you sitting there. You look like you know you've been out in the sun a little bit and hanging out there in 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 Melbourne. Um, how are you today, man? Darren, so good to be here. Um, yeah, I'm feeling present. I'm feeling excited. That's awesome. I love that. So let's let's actually just talk about that really quick before we go into your background because I know it'll come up, but. Last time you and I talked, you were in Guatemala. Today, you're in Melbourne. So, what what was the uh, what was the transit? You actually told me there were a couple other stops along the way between a couple of months ago in Guatemala to where now uh, where you are in Australia. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of plays more broadly into my uh, my lifestyle, which is I've been living nomadically for the last five years. So I've lived in 45 different countries across the last five years, which all threads into what I'm doing now uh, inside the company Mountains and Marathons. So yeah, when we last spoke, which was about six weeks ago, I uh, since made the transition from Guatemala to Mexico for a week and a half into Austin, Texas for a week and a half. And now um, back in my roots in Australia, where I've spent Christmas with my family and um, being reconnecting with old friends um, here in Melbourne. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. So just, just really quick, let's just grab a, a fast, you know, 10,000 foot view of who Jamin is, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So in this present moment, uh, so I'm the co-creator and leadership coach with mountains and Marathons. So it's a transformational leadership development company where all of our programs facilitate, um, major holistic journeys of transformation for our members and all of our programs graduate with our clients running a marathon or climbing a mountain in extraordinary locations around the world. And so we've been doing this for the last five years and hence it threads in um, this adventurous lifestyle that's also embeds a, a deep passion I have for personal transformation and um, individual and group coaching. So I've been thinking about this since the last time we talked. So, and we're going to get to mountains and marathons, probably we'll just thread it throughout, but I was thinking about this. So if I'm somebody who wants to come on board and, and you know participate in this six-month-long coaching process and all of this that culminates in either a marathon or a mountain climb, what if I'm what if I'm not somebody who's like ready for that? I mean, do you do you kind of like talk to people about, hey, you know, you're gonna have to be in a certain level of physical condition for this? Do people train for this during the process? Tell me a little more about that. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, it's a completely valid question. And if you look at the heart of mountains and marathons and a big part of why we design the Aligned Leadership Program, which is the name of the six-month program I was just speaking about, if you look at it, it, it really, it's not about, you know, taking people who are already ultra fit to the to the top of a yeah. mountain. It really invites people to... To, to allow that adventurous spirit that lives inside of them a chance to, to turn up the flame a bit. It's like, well, what, who would I need to become in order to run a marathon? Who would I need to become to be able to get to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro? So really, you know, we, 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 we don't attract people who don't have that, like, spirit for adventure alive. But typically right. it's people who have that spirit for adventure. It just hasn't been ignited for a long time. And so the invitation or the possibility of running a marathon or climbing a mountain activates that part. And then, you know, one of the reasons why we designed the program over six months is because, you know, if we look at a marathon, you can go from couch to marathon in, within six months if you're willing to follow a structured, uh, a structured training plan, which is something that is threaded and incorporated into the Align Leadership Program. So that's kind of, you know, yeah, typically we, we rarely find people who like aren't ready because their physical health just isn't at a, at a level to start. It's more so, am I psychologically and emotionally primed to step into 
the kind of journey that it takes to get oneself prepared over six months to step into the kind of adventure of running a marathon, uh, running a marathon, climbing a mountain. You know, I would think in addition to the all the training and that type of stuff that a person would would want to do, and it, it's it's great to know that all that stuff's kind of threaded in there. But I would think also that has got to, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth here. Maybe I'm answering questions for your interview. But would do you see frequently that that kind of inner search and that that discovery of you know that individual and kind of releasing that that adventurous spirit that you talked about? Does that kind of mirror itself with that leadership development and leadership growth that's taken place? within the program yeah i mean if we look at the if we look at the core of the aligned leadership program it's really about people living into a deeply what we call a deeply aligned life in other words to live congruent with our truth now as far as how that then translates to leadership i mean if we're able to what i call master the inner game of leadership which is being complete inner integrity within ourselves that is immediately like not just like talking the talk, but it's truly becoming an embodiment of the kind of person who you really want to be in the world. And so as far as like that being in a leadership role, you are a walking, talking embodiment of the kind of leader who you want to be. And so if we look at, you know, the nature of many people, often um, a lot of people who we work with, they, they grow up with an adventurous spirit. They grow up with a, a, with a, with a go-get-it attitude. And then somewhere along the way, be that becoming a parent or career takes over, and there are just certain things that perpetually take priority that kind of pull away from the heart of what people, of who people actually know themselves to be. And so the Aligned Leadership Program Mountains and Marathons is really an invitation for people who feel like they may have drifted away from like who they're really here to be in the world or their, their sense of, of identity and sense of self. Um, it's really an invitation for people to be in that inquiry and, and through our process come back to um, that sense of alignment and um, and living into that adventurous spirit who they know themselves to be. That's super interesting. And, you know, I've, I've actually completely gone about this interview backwards. So for my listeners, if you're like, did I jump in in the middle of this episode? No, you really didn't. You know, usually I would kind of you know build towards these questions and we'd talk about what got you to this point? But I just I couldn't I couldn't resist jumping right into that. So let's let's maybe do a little bit of that. You told me a really great story about you know young Jamin as a kid in Australia and kind of where your leadership journey began. Let's let's maybe go to that and, and kind of build our way back up uh, and come back to mountains and marathons. Yeah, sure. Um, so. Yeah, grew up called small country town boy, uh, eldest of three uh, three boys. Parents super active. Grew up in a town of like seven thousand people, um, and so for me, uh, growing up, you know, especially being the eldest son, like a lot of my uh, subconscious patterns was about um, receiving the approval of my dad, and how I did that, or what my dad um, particularly validated, was um, was being good at sport um, and being the best at whatever it is that I was doing. And so naturally the, uh, the, the subconscious programming there was like, okay, be the best and, and, and give it, give it everything you've got. And so that became, um, you know, kind of like my default way of, of showing up as a kid. Now, as far as all the different survival patterns that we can develop as kids, um, that one certainly had its gold, which meant that anything that I applied myself to, I was always going gung ho, um, and, uh, and inherently what, what became a big part of my life was a passion for leadership and a passion for sport and health and, and pushing boundaries. And so, you know, that was reflected in being uh, the, the house captain in, in grade six or, you know, student uh, representative council from year eight or eventually debate team captain, football captain, basketball captain, all the way through to um, school captain in my final year of school. So. You know, this thread of, of, of leadership and, and sport was apparent the whole way through, um, which then kind of became the foundation of so much of the work that I'm doing now. 
So let's 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 talk about what what that is that that you're doing now and kind of what what brought you there. Um, you and I had talked previously, and you shared with me how you took that love of sport, that love of leadership, and kind of combined those two into a program that you called Game Changers. What mm. what did you learn from that experience, and and how did that move you forward into things like um, your your man cave experience? Um, man cave program, I guess, not experience that, that, that might confuse some people there. Uh, I just say man cave experience, but, um, let, let, let's talk a little bit about that kind of that, that transition, you know, and what you learned from game changers and, and what you learned from the man cave. Yeah, perfect. So to kind of, so I guess the, the story that I told just then kind of built things up to being the age of 17. And really it was from that moment when, this the 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 world of my personal growth and entrepreneurial journey really took off and so before i speak into um the 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 impact of game chains and the man cave and and um how it powerfully transformed my life as well as the lives of many others was i was when i was 17 school captain i was invited into a a six-day transformational leadership development program ran by ymca uh here in victoria in australia and this for me was the first time that I'd ever been brought out of my little bubble of Lean Gatha, this town of 7,000 people, and brought down into a, a space where I was introduced and connected to 60 young leaders from all across Victoria. Um, and for me, it was the first time I'd ever been introduced to cultural diversity. It was the first time I'd ever been involved in, in conversations around vision and purpose and strengths and weaknesses and optimism and pessimism, all of these kind of baseline personal development um, uh, distinctions and, and concepts. And it just lit my soul on fire. Like I had one of the most profound experiences of my entire life. And something that I got really in touch with that week as a 17-year-old was, you know, what, what, what these facilitators are, are leading for me and creating for me. I knew that I was like, I'm going to do that. And, and I'm going to do that professionally. And I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. And so coming off the back of that experience, you know, reflecting now in hindsight, I'm like, wait, what a, um, I'm like, what, a, what, a, what an incredible um, privilege it was to be 17 and getting in touch with a, a profound sense of purpose. Yeah. As I know, a lot of people can, can be in the inquiry of purpose for their entire life, um, whereas it dropped for me really young. And inside that depth of clarity, that then just opened up um, all kinds of visions of how I wanted to bring this purpose to life. And so from there, it was, um, it was a recognition of like, I've done this personal development experience and now I'm being invited back to be a facilitator of the same experience. And um, I realized that I was like, well, you know what would make one of the biggest differences in Australia is if we had this kind of um, personal development and transformational work embedded in grassroots sporting clubs. Because uh, that was so much of what I was passionate about and so much of my background and also just looking at the, um, the social capital that grassroots sporting clubs have in Australia, it was like, wow, if we could embed personal development and leadership development into the, the fabric of grassroots Australian sporting clubs, imagine the impact that could have on our broader community. And so that then became the, uh, the initial seed for creating my first uh, organisation at the age of 22, which was Game Changers. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So let's let's jump back just one step there. So you go through this program with the YMCA, and it has this transformational impact on you, but then you're given the opportunity to come back and now be on the other side of that. What what was like the first thought with that when we when you were given the opportunity? I mean, did you go seek out this opportunity? Did they come to you? How how did that play out? Mm, beautiful question because that was actually quite an instrumental um, uh, piece in me having permission to really go after what I really want, which was when I was a participant, the program coordinator um, was was, I guess, inspired by the way that I showed up as a participant. And off the back of that, there was she saw something in me where she realized that um, I had something to contribute to, to that program. And so it was about 10 months later, uh, I'd finished school and I received a phone call from her. Her name is Lisa. And, 
yeah, when Lisa phoned me, she said, hey, I want to invite you to come back as a facilitator um, next year as like an apprentice facilitator for the program. Um, is that something you would like to do? And I mean, immediately my heart was just like beating out my chest and I thought it was just the most profound yeah. invitation ever. Um, and so that was my first formal invitation to being on the other side of um, of transformation, which was actually being the facilitator, the coach and the guide of other people's journey of, um, of growth and personal inquiry. So I'm thinking a lot about what I hear, you know, with my work in schools here in the States, so much of what leaders and teachers have been telling me for the last year and a half has been how disconnected our students have become. Uh, mm. That it has become a real challenge for our students who are typically well engaged with their school to really be that again. It, it almost like they they've lost that momentum and they need to find a way to recapture that. And and I don't know how much how much work you do with kids, but because of this background element, I, I'm curious your thoughts one what what do you see and hear in your travels and two just from that experience of yours what might be some things that leaders right now can be thinking about to to ignite a fire like what was lit with you with with our kids today yeah nice so um you know perhaps a, a helpful part of the the background for, for listeners as well too is the nature of my um the, the work that I did with Game Changers, that then also then became an organization called, um, or we created a brother organization called The Man Cave. And so Game Changers would work in grassroots sporting clubs with teenagers, and then The Man Cave would work on um, challenging, deconstructing, and redefining masculinity for year seven to year 12 boys, so 13 to, to, to 18-year-old boys in schools all around Australia. And so, you know, by the age of 27, I'd worked with about 10,000 young people um, all across Australia and a little bit in North America. And so, yeah, I have spent a tremendous amount of time um, yeah. in, the, in the classroom and being in touch with a lot of the, um, the, 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 the interpersonal and personal challenges that teenagers face. And, um, you know, I think one of, the, one of the most powerful ways to have and I'll just speak, but young men and women getting in touch with a deeper sense of self and a deeper sense of purpose and a deeper sense of what, uh, of what their core values are and actually invite in that inquiry is the process of removing them from the normalcy of their typical cultural environment. And so an example of that is like the schoolyard and the sporting club and you know, where they might, you know, the, 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 the kids they hang out with when they're gaming, like all of that becomes so normalised and has a particular, a particular cultural context that continues to perpetuate whatever the, the current mainstream idea of what it right. is to be a teenage boy is. And so when I talk about separating from that, if you look at the way in which we would facilitate any kind of um, workshop or trans transformative experience for teenagers, we would facilitate at the baseline, some kind of physical separation from their, their normal environment. And so in an ideal context, that would actually be leading a retreat where the, 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 the young men and women would literally come and meet us at a retreat center somewhere that they'd ideally never been before. Or if we're in a local, you know, for instance, if we're at a, a local school in a, in, a, in a regional town, we would coordinate it that the the workshops would be facilitated at the local football netball club or the football basketball club. Um, so they actually got out of the school environment so we could create a, a physical shift in the context and therefore create what we call a closed container where we would set a new right. cultural norm and have a new set of agreements, which would then create the foundation for, um, well, it creates a, 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 um, an intervention in the psyche <laughs> so that the, the young people's psyche opens and becomes more receptive to conversations that would um, typically be, be flicked off as like not too vulnerable or too, uh, too out of the norm, um, and therefore they would close down. Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, 
you know, removing them from, you know, from that space where they're struggling a little bit and being able to, you know, have that conversation, you know, do some activities, something that's going to just, I guess, introduce that next interruption to their thinking. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of what, a lot of what has caused this, of course, you know, we, we touched very briefly on it. That's, that's all I want to do uh, is touch briefly on it. But, you know, back to our, our time a couple of years ago during lockdown for so many of our kids that led to, you know, this, this interruption, or this shock to the system that mm-hmm. a lot of them are just struggling to find their way out of that. And, and honestly, that's true of adults too. There are a lot yeah. of adults that are still struggling with that. So no, I think that's really, really sound advice to um, to the leaders that are listening to this show to consider, you know, hey, how can I how can I find a way to to separate them from from the area where where they're struggling? And it, it in a way that kind of takes me to to the next next thing I want to talk about. And it, when you and I had our conversation back in November, you know, something that just really resonated and just honestly struck me right in the heart. You talked about a moment in your life. So so you've got all this going. You've got Game Changers going. You've got the Man Cave going on. And you're really living this purpose that you thought from the time you were 17, this is what I'm going to do. And it, it took me you know, to, to my own self, you know, living this purpose as an educator from, you know, the time I was in my very early 20s to, you know, all the way through over 25 years as a public educator. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was lost. And mm-hmm. I don't want to take anything away from your story. I want to just lead you right to kind of that moment for you and what shifted you from what you were doing to who you are now to the entrepreneur that you are and and just I guess just run from there yeah for sure so um the the nature of my work has also it always been very um community service oriented you know the game changers was an, a not-for-profit the man cave was also not-for-profit so again inside of that it was a lot of um tremendous amounts of, of time and energy have been dedicated in service to helping um, local people in the local communities that I cared most about. And, you know, I think even that stemmed from growing up, um, you know, with my Omar and Opa who are very service oriented. I feel like that's kind of threaded through my blood the whole way through. Um, However, in my own way, I became, I I kind of got stuck in the, um, the entrepreneurial rat race of, you know, working, 80 hour weeks to avoid a 40 hour week um and yeah. you know a way in which i kind of summarize it is also becoming i, I refer to it as almost like being addicted to service and in a, in a in an unhealthy way in the sense that part of my like egoic um in a narrative was like what would my community do without me like it's kind of like savior sort of sort of mentality and so it's like therefore the idea of slowing down was really challenging to confront because i'm like well if if i slow down like then all of this is going to fall to pieces and you know what's going to happen to the organization the great work that we're doing yeah and i i want to stop you there we're we're going to go right back to that spot because that is an inner narrative that runs in so many educators heads i mean that that and, and it's I don't know exactly the right word for it. Um, oftentimes we refer to ourselves as martyrs because we're going to work ourselves into the ground for the betterment of our students. Mm-hmm. And that can be, that can be real problematic without question. So I'll let you go back to where you are, but, but I just, I really wanted to make that connection to, to what our educators do. Absolutely. And, and it, it's perfect because it threads into so much of like all of this links into the core of the work that, that I'm doing now, which, you know, earlier I referred to mastering like the inner game of leadership, which from my standpoint, that is all about living, living and being the vision, <laughs> living and being yeah. the possibility that we have for the world. And so circling back to how I was showing up back then, as far as like, it's all about the impact that I'm having out there, but inside I'm beginning to struggle. Like inside I'm beginning to burn out. And so with these 80 hour, you know, 16 hour days, six days a week type stuff, um, I was, yeah, I was like suffering. I was beginning to experience high levels of, of, of anxiety, high levels of depression, lack of focus, lack of motivation, um, 
my nutrition wasn't good. I wasn't exercising that much. Obviously, my social life was being impacted. Like all of these foundational things that that call for like great well-being, um, I was sacrificing in the spirit of service. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what I I mean, I can kind of cut to the point of where I actually had my breakdown. Um, you know, where I, I remember it was the middle of July, 2016. And then I, um, yeah, I had a complete meltdown. I had my hands balling my eyes out and just feeling deeply sorry for my circumstance and just being like, what the hell is this for a life? And yeah. it was, it was inside of that moment when I was like, man, like, yes, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm being acknowledged in magazines and newspapers and receiving leadership awards and service awards from the community. But the reality was beneath it all, I was like, oh, I wouldn't wish anybody to be like me. Yet so much of my pursuit yeah. had been about being a positive role model for, for young people in my community. And so in, the, in that moment, there was an acknowledgement of like, well, if I'm not actually embodying the way in which I would aspire to see my community transforming, well, it's all smoke and mirrors. Like the, the change needs to start within. And um, yeah, and I guess that was kind of a, a pretty pivotal moment in um, in transforming so many layers of of my life, and ultimately influences what I do now. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a handful of us, well, probably a lot of us, that not necessarily have lived the exact same thing. Being educators is, you know, we give and we give and we give and we give, and so many of us probably run into, you know, a similar type of circumstance. I, I think I shared a little bit with you before that, you know, for me, I, I just, I've reached this breaking point where I felt like, you know, especially, you know, as a school leader, as a district leader, so much is about focusing on my sphere of influence and what I can control and what I'm able to, to do to support and, and, and take care of my people. I, very much, you know, about wanting to take care of all the people around me. And there was a point in time where I felt like that was so far out of my control and I was so frustrated by it. And I had started to discover in my own self the first time thinking I'm burned out. I'm losing my fire and my passion for this. I'm, I'm not, I'm not being of service to anyone. And my my own my like you you know my my personal health was suffering i was not doing enough to take care of myself i was pouring in insane amounts of time just trying to get back that that control that i was so used to having and obviously it led to you know a career change for me it led to you know a, a change in how i show up and how i believe now that i can impact others. So let's talk about how that shifted and changed for you and how now you see your ability to impact and still service others. Mm, yeah, beautiful, Darren. Thanks for sharing your 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 lived experience um, inside of this. As uh, yeah, I, I do, I see it. I mean, so many of the people who we serve inside of Mountains Marathons have got that similar narrative of being in that place of like, okay, like, I know that I'm not living the, my biggest and best life. I know I'm not taking care of these foundational things that are going to make profoundly change my life if I did, <laughs> but I just don't know how yeah. to make that change. And so that's often where we find people um, inside of mountains and marathons. And so for my personal journey, it was really in that, in that moment of breakdown, you know, when I was having this, this inner recognition of like, I don't want anyone to be like me. Uh, <laughs> after, yeah. after, after I'd, kind of move through this profound catharsis and just release so much, I I actually just began to laugh. <laughs> I, I just began to laugh, like quite hysterically, almost like a bit of a crazy man sort of thing, where I just I was I was just <laughs> inside this profound epiphany, simple but profound, which was this recognition of like everything that I was suffering from, all of my struggle was my own creation. Like I put myself there and if we want to like logically map it back you could look at like every choice i made or major decision i made like led to this moment in time and my current life experience and it was just it's just struck me as so simple yet profound and also hilarious because i was living like the world was doing something to me <laughs> or like 
you know, like I had been just handed this set of apples and now I've just got to work out how to chew and swallow them. But I was like, no, dude, you, I like, I, you, Jamin, created all of this. So then I was like, okay, well, if you created all this, then you have 100% responsibility for creating your way out of it. And so I was like, okay, well, no one's coming to save me. It's on me. And so then I was like, right, if I have the capacity to create my life and how I be and the impact that I have, if I, if I am the creator of that, I have a say in that, what do I actually want to do? Like what would the most ideal and aligned life look like for me? And so it was in that moment when I just asked, I, I, I like asked high, higher power, source, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I was just like, okay, like, what am I really here to do? And who, like, what do I really want to create? And then within five minutes, it just dropped in. I was like, I'd be running marathons, climbing mountains, traveling the world, transforming my life and working out some way to help other people do the same. And so then I spent three hours downloading this like detailed vision that was coming through. And I was just like, okay, cool. That's it. From there, it was just a powerful declaration. And um, I, I certainly won't want to simplify it because there was a lot of healing that needed to happen in, after yeah. this moment. But um, that was when I got connected to uh, the vision for mountains and marathons. And ultimately, you know, here we are almost seven years later. Um, and, uh, and that was the beginning of, um, or that was the conception of, uh, of mountains and marathons. What a powerful moment, though, to, to rediscover or to discover again, maybe not rediscover, that's not the right way to say it, mm. to discover again, this is my purpose. This is who I want to be. And this is what set my soul on fire. You know, I, I say it all the time when I speak that you cannot be burned out if you've never been on fire. The secret is you got to find out what it is that's going to reignite the flame, right? Mm. And sometimes it's not the same stuff. It's not always the same stuff. You know, I mean, at your core, it's still servicing people. You're just doing it in a way different way. You know, yeah. for me, it's it, it, in a lot of ways, it's the same thing for me. It's servicing people. It's educating people. It's, you know, I, yeah. I'm an educator, spirit, period. You the, know? Essence, the essence, the energy, the spirit remains the same. The way exactly. the, vehicle, the vehicle and the channel through which that's expressed just looks different. Yeah, absolutely. It just, man, I'm energized just sitting here talking about this. I mean, I'm, I'm like ready to jump out of my chair. Yeah, let's um, go. It's it's amazing when you know when we have that that epiphany. I I, I just want to talk about that a little bit more because it, going from like total breakdown to hysterical laughter. I mean, when you look back and think about that, do you like just think, come on, Jamin, what was going on there? Or I mean, obviously it's a great pivotal moment in your life. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just curious about, I, I think about mine. I, I came home, I lost my mind. I mean, I'm just yelling and screaming and my wife and daughter are like, what is wrong with you? And I look back and just think, oh my God, I bet I looked like the biggest fool when I, I came home and snapped. But I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm chasing something that's not there. You've already kind of talked about it, but I mean, that, that has to be an interesting moment for you every time you get a chance to think back on it. Yeah, well, I think the um, it's so good. It's so good because it's like it's the layers of vulnerability of like the, the it's the layers yeah. of transformation that we often don't talk about. Like we often see the 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 result on the other side of the mess that we had to go through in order to get the the transformation. So I, it, you know, this is the piece that I love to talk about, and obviously the bit that I love to facilitate the most is like holding, guiding, holding, and moving people through these moments of like what the actual f you know <laughs> and like losing, like, exactly losing yeah. it and crying and just being like I'm, I'm a mess i don't know where i'm going i don't know you know and it's just like that was so you know at the time i probably didn't ha I, didn't, I didn't i didn't understand it but you know for me like you know as i as i reflect on each layer of it both like the catharsis and the letting go as well as the the, hy the hysteria the, the laughter and hysteria that came after it is that part of it it's like a, a, it's a layer of like deep grief, which can look like sadness and anger often combined. Um, and so that's, you know, a big part of the emotional, the emotional release is actually like the letting go. And in a way, it's kind of like an ego death 
and so there's like it's like there's a part of ourselves and the way in which we've been showing up that's like it's just no longer serving our existence it's been there as some kind of driver or protective mechanism but now we're actually like letting this addictive part of us go or we're letting this you know for me it was the addiction to service it's like stuff it it's not worth it yeah i'm done yeah. I'm done. So, you know, it was, a, it was kind of like yeah. the, um, the embodied release of this part of my existence. And then, you know, the hysterical laughter. Well, I mean, I, th- I think that was probably more, um, I mean, in a way that was a bit of a spiritual awakening in the sense that I was really, you know, in, it's like I was in touch with the cosmic joke. I was in touch with how serious I take life and how much my seriousness actually doesn't mean anything. And that me continually taking life serious, it's like taking seriousness seriously. Like, what kind of a life is that? You know? Whereas to be able to actually laugh at, just to be able to laugh at how seriously I've been taking life and and recognize like, wow, you're a fool. Like, I was kind of like laughing at the, I was laughing at the mess that I'd made and being like, and you think you like, and and you think you had to do that? Like, dude. You, yeah. you put it on yourself, man, you fool. Um, so deeply humbling. It was a deep, yeah. like, it was a moment of, like, yeah. spiritual evolution and um, perspective. Yeah, that's, uh, man, it just, it resonates so much with me because, mm-hmm. I, I, actually, just something that you just said there about, you know, taking seriousness so seriously or, you know, I'm, I'm taking life so seriously. Well, but are you? Because I think that was one of my big things was like, okay, I think it's so important to do this, this, this. But is it? Is it really the most important thing? And yes, it was letting go of an identity that I had carried for 26 years. But at the same time, it was getting re, you know getting back in touch with who the hell I really am, you know, and, and being able to say, whoa, hold on here. You know who who am I? I mean, I I ran into a friend not too long ago. We went and went out and, and, and had a couple of cocktails. I hadn't seen him in maybe three or four years, and um, he is still to this day. He's he's a high school principal. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. But he looked at me and he's like, "You look younger than the last time I saw you." And I'm like, "You know what? I think I'm actually aging backwards now because I'm not so freaking stressed about crap that was not in my circle of control anymore." And it just, yeah. So, just that cathartic, ugh, let it all go. I think is is huge. So let's I, we could chase this topic for like just hours and just sit and talk. And it's probably you know one that to, I don't know. Someday I hope we have a chance to sit down in the same place and maybe sip a little whiskey or something and have this conversation because it's awesome. In. But yeah, one absolutely. Thing I, yeah, before we do pivot, there is go one ahead. Thing I do want to ask around this because I think it is meaningful. Yeah. Is that is that that moment in time and you know. So many people confront it, but don't necessarily leverage this moment as uh, as the access to major transformation because it's te- it's, it's terrifying and it's uncomfortable. But it's actually the the moment when we're deeply confronting truth that we haven't wanted to admit to ourselves for a long time. It's like there's this like whisper. It's like the universe is giving this whisper of like you know you're not living a life. Like you know that thing that that, that that you could be healthy. You know that you could be living more on purpose. You you know that you need a break. You know that you need a rest. And we get these whispers and these insights. But eventually, if we don't listen to those whispers and respond, it comes in like a, a freight train running us over. Yeah. And typically, and I'll just speak for us as men, Darren, like that's often what it takes in order for us to have these major moments of transition and transformation in our life where we can actually let go of anything that hasn't been serving us to then step newly into a, um, into a created life. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're a hundred percent spot on there. I'm glad you added that piece in there too. Um, so let's, let's talk about now the other side of that, uh, that breaking moment and the work that you're doing now. Um, you, we, we've kind of talked off and on about that throughout the course of this conversation, but maybe take me a little bit deeper into what that work really is, how it looks, what uh, what somebody would experience as doing something like mountains and marathons. Yeah, nice. So, um, I mean, so in, in its core, as I was speaking earlier, it it is inviting people into a 
creating their life in deep alignment. And so similar to the journey that I went on of being like, I ain't in alignment. Um, okay, what would the most aligned life for me look like? It was this like vision of running marathons, climbing mountains and leveraging my passion and skills for transformation to be able to um, have a profound impact on other people's lives. And so it's effectively inviting people into their, the, the equivalent for themselves. And that is going to look distinct and unique for every individual. And so we often find people in major, um, yeah, in moments of transition or, or transformation where there is like a sense of stuckness or feeling trapped um, or a, a, a cloudiness and confusion about what the future looks like. And so we'll meet people in this place and typically they're, they're people who have been quite successful in a conventional sense and, you know, maybe worked their way up the corporate ladder or gotten to that highest level of leadership and they're kind of like, now what? Or like, I thought this would be fulfilling, but it's not. Or, you know, I'm, I've, I've kind of like bought into this illusion of what happiness would look like when I get there and now I'm there and it's like, I'm not, I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, so this is often where we'll find people and then we, 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 we invite and welcome people into the Align Leadership Program. And so as, as I was sharing earlier, so it's a, it's a six month journey of transformation and includes, um, well, it graduates with our members climbing a mountain or running a marathon and that's physically meeting us in a specific location around the world to do that. And that could be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or climbing to Everest Base Camp in Nepal or running a marathon in Cape Town, South Africa or Honolulu or um, uh, Patagonia in Chile. Outback Australia Marathon. So we, we facilitate all of these international adventures which facilitate that separation um, that, uh, that we spoke about as far as yeah. like creating space for people to open up psyche and step into new possibilities. So we integrate that. But the, the, the six months is predominantly facilitated online and then graduates with the in-person retreat where they run the marathon or climb the mountain. Um, and then within the six-month program, it includes uh, group coaching. So we do this as part of a team of other people who are going through a similar journey. Uh, individual coaching, so everything's very tailored and meets you exactly where you're at and that you're receiving the, the, the individual support that you need, as well as fitness coaching from our fitness coach in um, our fitness coach Cindy in the US and our nutrition coach Pamela who lives in uh, Canada. And so with myself and Jen, my business partner, um, plus Cindy and Pamela, the four of us work together to facilitate and guide a holistic journey of transformation and leadership growth for each of our members, which then is ultimately celebrated with the epic physical challenge of running a marathon or climbing a mountain. What would 17-year-old Jamin say if he just heard that? I'd be like, yeah, man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, I want to do that when I'm older. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I want to be that guy. Well, 17-year-old Jamin, you are that guy. So um, let's let's transition to the last question I ask everybody here on the podcast. Just a little, uh, what, just oh, a little less bold, yeah. mate, though. Just a little less. Yeah, I, there you I, go. I'm inspired to have some dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I don't know if I can see you with dreadlocks, but that's all right. So, um, yeah. So, so the final question, um, it's the leaning into leadership podcast. So you've shared so much, but Jamin, what's maybe one more thing you're doing right now to lean into leadership? Um, beautiful question. So for me, like leaning into leadership for me, when I feel into my own journey is about continually expanding my comfort zone. Um, and, and specifically expanding my somatic body, my, my nervous system's capacity to hold more. And so uh, for me, that specifically looks like um, stepping on stages to deliver spoken word poetry. Um, it looks like taking dance classes. Uh, it looks like taking singing classes. So a lot of these things that make me feel very edgy and very uncomfortable um, because what I know is that as I lean more into these vulnerable places, um, it opens up more capacity for me to be with the discomfort and therefore um, hold more of what life shows up. I love that. Oh, man, what a great conversation. Um, thank you so much, Jamin, for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. And uh, best of luck to you in the future, man. So great. Thank you, Darren. That was a very inspiring conversation with Jamin. And again, I appreciate him being on the show. What I want to go at really quick was a reminder that at the end of the day, we are the creators of our life. I really loved it when Jamin talked about that. I love how he shared in a very vulnerable way his breakdown essentially in 2016. It made me think a lot about the struggles that I went through 
from the latter part of 2020 through the early part of 2021, when I really started to question myself as a leader and question, honestly, the career choice that I was in. I had to remember the same thing that Jamin talked about, which is take a look at the trail map of how we got here and then really think about, am I living my most aligned life? I truly appreciated that. And it takes us right into today's pep talk. On the pep talk today, we're going to go right there. Am I living my most aligned life? You know, so often we're asked to remember our why and to stay in touch with our why. And I'll be honest with you, I'm worn out with the why. I really am. You know, instead, I want you to think about your passion. I want you to think about your purpose. And I want you to think about what it is that really sets you on fire. Remember this about burnout. You can never be burned out if you were never on fire in the first place. Something set your heart ablaze. Something filled you with passion and excitement and made you want to do what you do. Sometimes we just have to take a step back, get back in touch with what that was, and then fan the flames a little bit. And sometimes, like in Jamie Heppel's case, we find that that passion could be met in multiple different ways. I mean, think about it. From an early, early age, Jamin knew that he wanted to be involved in leadership. He wanted to be inspiring people. You know, he was doing this as part of that youth leadership camp and then with Game Changers and then with the Man Cave. And then ultimately that has led him to where he is now with mountains and marathons. Folks, we don't have to live a nomadic lifestyle like Jamin has chose to do in order to pursue our passions. Take a step back, get up on the balcony. You know, I love to talk about the balcony. Think about who you are. Think about what sets your heart on fire. And then just make sure that you are living your most aligned life. Thank you so much for joining me today on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.